0: Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers, I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. This week we're looking back on some memorable cartoons with very memorable theme tunes. Yes, we talk the Raccoons, Tailspin and Chip and Dale. And if you're of a certain age, then I'm sure you're singing along to all these theme songs. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul.
1: Hey man, how's it going?
0: I'm alright, thanks. How are you?
1: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Getting
0: there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the the we were just talking just uh, before we started the uh, the pod. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're, like I said, if you're a certain age, then you will definitely remember the theme songs of all these shows. Please Please tell me you didn't fast-forward the end credits for The Raccoons.
1: Um, Please
0: tell me you didn't.
1: I think I listened to it, but I don't remember it that well. Um,
0: Run with us. It's very big. It's like, the most, like one of the most iconic theme songs of my childhood.
1: I don't remember The Raccoons, or did I remember Tailspin that well? I think I remember Tailspin being a thing, and I remember the look. I remembered the look of Raccoons, as in, like, I remember the kind of the jersey that um what's his name wore, and
0: yeah i mean well in that well without further ado we'll uh we'll get started right away and yes we're going to start with the raccoons first and uh, this show came out in july 1985 and some of the things happening in the world there were live aid benefit concerts in london and philadelphia and they managed to raise over 50 million pounds for famine relief in ethiopia ruth lawrence at the age of 13 achieves a first in mathematics at the university of oxford by becoming the youngest british person ever to earn a a first class degree and the youngest graduate of the university back to the future what a film what a film was in the cinemas and we don't need another hero by tina turner was in the charts
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah that's a cracking song and also um i've only watched i haven't watched um what's it called back to the future as an adult how i mean i watched it a lot as a kid like you know when it was out back to the future 2 and stuff like that or whatever it was called and um but i never watched it as a as an adult so, so like, there's a lot of people that have like obviously it's a cult film now right it's uh it's achieved cult status so but i haven't seen it as an adult and i yeah it's Obviously, I know the DeLorean and Doc and Marty and everything and a hoverboard, and we're supposed to be there already and everything, but, yeah, I haven't seen it for a while.
0: But, no, Tina Turner was another one who, I think, because apparently Tina Turner was, like, a big singer in, like, the 60s and 70s and disappeared for a long time and then, boom, came in the 80s. Went on, like, another run, and I think she was, like, well into her 40s. So I'm thinking, fair play to her.
1: There's There's only a few singers that can really do that that don't kind of... Lose it, Do you know. Like sometimes when you you think like, oh, it'd be really good if that person did that thing again, right? And then they come back, you know, ooh, yeah, maybe I was, maybe I was wrong about that, but yeah, yeah. But no, like
0: Tina Turner came back, and again, this is something that I uh, learned by watching one of the many shows that talks about the '80s and how amazing the '80s was, and how amazing the music was, and how amazing life was, and pop pop music had like reached its ultimate peak in the 80s and so that was uh, one of the things I was talking about was uh, Tina Turner and I didn't know that she was like well into her 40s and she made the huge comeback so yeah I
1: didn't know that that's not surprising really for regular listeners of yesterday's capers
0: (laughs) good stuff so uh, we're talking about the raccoons so this was a Canadian animated series created by Kevin Gill's with the corporation of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It revolves around Bert Raccoon and married couple Ralph and Melissa Raccoon of whom Bert is a friend and roommate. The series mostly involved the trio's effort against the industrialist forces of greedy bark millionaire seal Sneer who regularly tries to destroy the forest for a quick buck However, the raccoons always save their forest from Cyril's schemes with help from their forest Some friends, including Schaefer, who's an old sheepdog, and Cedric, who is Cyril's college graduate son, and Sophia, who is Cedric's girlfriend. And as the series progresses, Cyril becomes a more of a sympathetic character, eventually becoming an anti hero, becoming more responsible in his priorities and business practices. Originally, the story was set in a kind of hidden world in the evergreen forest where a small human family of a forest ranger and his children reside unaware of the struggles taking place out sight. However, the second season had these human characters removed as the premise shifted to an unambiguous fantasy world of a sophisticated humanoid animal version of Canada with complex transportation systems, broadcasting media and heavy industry. In addition, Ralph's relatives become relative characters, or relative or regular characters, especially his young nephew and niece, Bentley the Insecure Child, and Lisa, who is an athletic teenager who became an understated love interest for Bert. And unlike many other cartoons of his time, it handled action, humour and romance in a fairly sophisticated manner, while remaining sufficiently uncomplicated for younger viewers. Lessons featured in the series mainly focused on environmentalism. It also covered other topics, including friendship and teamwork. The Raccoons franchise was originally conceived by Kevin Gills in the 1970s while appearing in shows like Celebrity Cooks and Yes You Can. The initial idea for the show was created by Gillis and columnist Gary Dunford. They drew their inspiration for Ralph Raccoon from a dilemma that happened at a cottage in Ottawa. Dunford backed out, but Gil's, Gillis took his idea to Ottawa lawyer Sheldon S. Wiseman, who saw a potential in Gillis's idea and put together a large group of animators, musicians and writers to create the first special to star the characters known as the Christmas Raccoons. The series had a new wave soundtrack, including the theme song Run With Us, by cast member Lisa Luffheed. French Canadian singer Luba performed several songs, several of which were later re-recorded by Heed for use in other sessions. There were also several other songs performed by other musicians, such as Rita Coolidge and Rupert Holmes, who performed songs for the first special, Leo Sayer and Coolidge again for the solid for the second solid, and John Schneider and Dottie West for the last television special. The Raccoons was well-received by critics. The New York Times in its review for their second TV special said, and I quote, The Raccoons are an adorable lot, supported nicely by an attractive production variety praised by an attractive production. Variety praised the third special, The Raccoons and the Lost Star, calling it a rollicking good adventure filled with space-age animation, high-tech gadgetry, littling tunes, and A Lovable Sheepdog and the Delightful Raccoons team. The show was nominated for many awards, including a Gemini Award for Best Sound and Best Writing, and won the Gemini for Best Animated Series. And in 1990, Bert and Lisa were named the mascots of the Canadian Olympic team, even though there was no Olympics in 1990. It was revealed that series creator Kevin Gillis was working on a reboot of the series. A pitch pilot with slightly redesigned characters was found on YouTube as an in unlisted video. Over the video was soon taken down by Big Jump Entertainment due to a copyright claim and Big Jump officially revealed the new design for Bert, Ralph, Melissa, Cyril and Cedric on their website. The reboot is scheduled to premiere in 2021 beginning with a holiday special entitled When Raccoons Fly. Oh yeah, like I said, some of the characters. So there's Bert Raccoon, who's an energetic raccoon with lots of imagination. Likes to seek out adventure. There's uh, Ralph and Melissa, who are the happily married couple who live in the raccoon dominium. Cedric Sidney Snare, who is uh, Cyril Snare's nerdy son and Bert's best friend and heir to the Snare fortune. There's a uh, Sophia Tutu, who is Cedric's ditzy girlfriend, who is a, super, who's a superb swan glider and diver and likes to ride bikes. Cyril Sneer, who starts off villainous and later softens up, though he retains his treacherous nature. The Pigs, who are three bumbling henchmen and assistant, and they're, also, they're never referred to by name. They're just known as the three pigs, or Pig 1, Pig 2, and Pig 3. So, the raccoons.
1: I kind of remember, like I said, I remember what they looked like. Um, didn't remember the show, but this show was like, um, I liked how unsinister the whole plots were. Gen- well, the, on a couple of episodes that I watched, <laughs> it was like an unsinister, like quite a. But in a twisty way. So it looked like it was all going to take a real bad turn. And then all of a sudden it's not that bad. And I quite like that. I thought that was quite cool. I thought the characters are pretty well thought out. I did spot that it was Canadian at one point. I think they said something. And I was like, oh, yep. that's definitely a Canadian accent there. One thing I will say is at the beginning when, it, when the narrator's talking, it reminded me of Moomin's. And do you know how it starts? And it's sort of like Moomin yeah. in the Moomin Valley, and you know this and that. And I, I, I quite like that. As a, a bit like, oh, maybe I'm gonna have to textabs the um, Swedish Moomin intro again.
0: I do remember this cartoon growing up, and I remember everything about the raccoons. This used to be my uh, my bathroom break cartoon, or my chat change over the channel. Oh, really? I, I yeah, I couldn't get into the raccoons as a kid. Thought it was incredibly boring. I thought it was incredibly long. Like I said, bathroom break. I'll take my bathroom break, or I will turn over to the other channel. I remember it coming on a lot during the summer holidays. So, like they would have loads of programming on in the mornings when they're filling
1: up the EPG for for the kids, just like shoving cartoons in it.
0: I wish they'd do that now, man. They don't even do that anymore.
1: No, but we're we're speaking about this. Like you don't really get. In fact, I'm pretty sure you don't get kids' TV on a, on the normal channels anymore. Like, I'm pretty sure it's all adult content. And then Channel 5 does. Channel 5 has Milkshake. What's the deal? Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the kids' channels on Sky. And obviously on Freeview. And everything's digital now. So there's no analog terrestrial television. It's all digital. So everyone kind of has access to... If they have a TV, they have access to CBBC and stuff like that.
0: I guess... But no, yeah, whatever. That you know, the, the the or if if it was on CBBC in the afternoon, I would I would I would either flick to ITV or like I said, bathroom break, go to the fridge, get a snack. This was, this was a time, and I was like I said, I, I was watching it, and the first episode or whatever, and I thought, yeah, I'm I'm right. This doesn't hold up. This is not gonna be like the Moomins, because I felt exactly the same about the Moomins. It was my bathroom break. It was my get a snack, change the channel show, and then obviously we watched it again, and, and we loved it. I think both of us, right? Yes, it was. It was the Moomins. i would thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. It seems like a a lifetime ago when we spoke about the Moomins.
1: We are gonna to have to take a yesterday's capers trip to Finland as soon as this is finished, right? To yes, the, um, Moomin land
0: yes 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 absolutely we have to go i don't care I, it's, it's one of my places to to go but no back to this it's it's like you know this program actually reminds me of a, of a famous meme or a famous gif where you've got the college student going they had us in the first half. i ain't gonna lie have you seen that have you
1: oh, i haven't no but i'm not a popular no, but it's like
0: yeah it's like, it's like yeah oh, they had us in the first half ain't gonna lie because like, uh, well, I'll talk about it in episodes, but like the last couple of episodes of the raccoons were outstanding.
1: Like really, really good. I watched the pilot and then went on to series three, episode nine. I don't know how many series they did, but I wanted to go as far as I did could you see.
0: write the name down?
1: Evergreen Express was the last one I watched.
0: Okay. No, it, it wasn't the episode. It was the penultimate episode.
1: Oh, okay. No, I didn't watch that. But
0: that pretty much saved it.
1: The quality on YouTube was atrocious, right? Let's be honest. It was quite difficult. It was 1985. No, no. But what I'm saying is it's actually difficult f- to look at because it was obviously now we've got you know, HD TVs and this and that and the others. And then watching the big blur on a screen was like pretty hard going. It was a big you, blur. It wasn't that but, bad. But to be honest, the first episode, I enjoyed it. And I, I, did, I was a bit like, what the... Because I, I fell for this. I fell hook, line and sinker for the plot. So um the twist actually was like got me i was like okay this is that that was pretty good um yeah i enjoyed it i think
0: no like i said with this show if it was just based on the pilot then i would have just said yeah i'm i'm I'm, i feel exactly the same as i did as a kid and i do now nothing special about the show it's just there uh it's not it's not horrible it's not horrific but no, like towards the end, it was, it was, it was, it was tremendous. And uh, without further ado, you can talk about Surprise Attack, which was the pilot.
1: Right. Oh, first, first of all, just quickly, the Three Little Pigs, I reckon that Shrek probably drew a lot of inspiration from here. Do you know, like...
0: I thought they were great. Yeah. I, do, do you I, know? What... I did like them and I did like Cyril Sneer.
1: Yeah, exactly. So do you know, like, do you know, like Shrek has like, it has a modern take and a, like an adult's take on like the fairy tales, right? Like the fairy fairy tales are real, and I kind of kind of got that impression here. So I just wonder if this was part of an inspiration for the um for the for the for the, for the films. Anyway, so the uh, the three little pigs are kind of spying on the raccoons and they're fishing, and they're talking about like what sounds like they're going to war, right? So it sounds like they're talking about gunpowder and this and that and the other. And the pigs are like freaking out, and then they're like, "Oh God, we got to go and tell uh, Cyril." Meanwhile, Bert's playing trumpet for the lady, and then the pig, ran, raccoons. Oh yeah, so this is where they think they're actually waging war on um, Cyril and and everyone else. So Cyril and Cedric are doing the accounts and then the pigs tell him what's going on, and then and then he, uh, Cyril's like, why would they do that? Why would they come and take everything that I've got and make it theirs? And then he kind of like talks himself into this being really and like kind of being really par- paranoid. So now he thinks that they're coming for him too. Even though he was defiant at first, um, Cedric goes and tells the raccoons to like say like, oh my, my kind of my dad's kind of like onto this like secret plot. Cyril makes it a secret service, and um, these are kind of like dog things, and they they like, had to go and spy on it, but they're rubbish. They like, but and they keep like trying to get one up on each other, so they ended up doing really badly in the whole thing, and they get told told off when they get back and told to go back and do it again. Um, the pigs tell Cyril that they've got like this secret weapon. And then Cyril will use... So Cyril decides to use Cedric as a spy. And then he goes to his bedroom and he's writing this kind of letter to the raccoons what's going on here. And uh, he basically sends him to the dungeons. So the raccoons hear about it and they have to rescue Cedric. They um, get into the castle using the old uh, kind of Trojan horse technique, if you like, where they like basically they pretend to be a delivery guy he drops his box off but inside is the, the raccoons and the, one thing about this show is they love a good montage I'm not sure if you know, noticed that montage, montage like, you know like the Scooby-Doo montage where they c- get the baddie this is like Scooby-Doo with montage with like
0: incredibly corny music
1: yeah, and every five minutes there's a montage Um, <laughs> some of it was okay some of it was a little bit Um, what the hell's going on here Um, so montage rescue him and then they get him out and he's like they're like they put a bomb on the door to blow the door off, and he's like, "But it's not even locked," <laughs> and they still blow it up. I thought that was quite funny. There's another montage where they use a hot air balloon to get out, um, and then Schaefer is riding it. And there's another chase scene, and then Cyril's chasing them all, and then crashes into what turns out to be his birthday cake. And when they're talking about gunpowder earlier, it's actually for the fireworks they're launching. And the whole thing was a plot for Cyril's birthday. I like to say that. I said, I fell hook, line, and sinker for this uh, plot. Um, and I'll like I said, it.
0: they did uh, play the song Run With Us, or like the kind of full version, which I, I did like, actually. I really like Run With Us. It's such a a nice little song. I liked how uh, Cyril was like to uh, the pigs. Let me see if I get it right. And because of your bumbling, they not only know that I know what they know, but I don't even know what, when they'll do what I know they'll do. <laughs> yeah. I, God, I can't that. even say that. Right. It's like, because of your pummeling, <laughs> they not only know that I know what they know, but I don't even know what they'll do when I'll do what they do or whatever. He says it's just absolutely brilliant.
1: This one was called the evergreen express. And this is where Beryl and Cedric have a metal detector and they find a, um, Bert and Cedric have a metal detector. Um, and they find a railway track and they decide to follow it through a tunnel and they end up finding a steam, steam engine, an old um, clapped out steam engine. Cyril's not happy because his investment's going down the pan and he's basically broke. He's got these elevator shoes and he needs to pay the loan in two days. Um, Cedric, Schaefer and Bert are cleaning up the engine. No one owns a train so they can keep it. Um, the pigs come to them selling bits and pieces. Uh, they need to make money. And then, uh, so back at the the castle, the pigs get one bean while Cyril's having a feast because they need to cut down. He says, don't let Cedric know that they're broke. Um, and then Cedric tells Cyril about the train that the raccoons have found. Um, Cyril reads up and he says there's $10 million uh, dollars or Canadian dollars, I guess, which is worth about thousand pounds probably on the um on the train um but the train needs a new steam dome and that turns out where the um the baddies that rubbed the train in the first place that's where they hide their their loot normally um so he wants it and he tells the raccoons that um he takes him a new steam dome and he says all i want in return is the old steam dome um uh the raccoons get the train Going and they find a wanted poster from the old robbery. Uh, turns out that the um the money is not in the steam dome. Uh, and then the alleg- this alligator turns up. He's ready to collect on the loan, and he said, "Look, I got you. Got until like tomorrow, and then uh, and then I'm coming in." Uh, the raccoons are testing the bridge, and the bridge is bad, so the train's not allowed to go on it. So they have to fix the bridge. Um, and the pigs and so accidentally start the because oh, sorry the money's not in the train, so they go and look for it on the train. And the pigs and seal accidentally start the train, and it kind of runs away. And then, um, seal is in the train, and uh, it goes across the bridge. The bridge breaks, and it goes up a hill. And then it doesn't have enough like steam to to go up. So, when it's going down, so seal starts like putting coal in. But the the baddies have hidden the money in the um under the coal. So there's not enough coal. So he has to burn all the money that he's looking for just to not die, basically. And then. When they get back, the alligator comes back to collect on loan, and his missus says that he's not allowed. Like this is one thing I quite found quite funny was that the alligator's wife said, "Like, no, you're not allowed to collect collect on your debt. You can't throw them out." Uh, then they make the train heritage fund, and Cyril has to work off his debt by working as a conductor on the train.
0: Cool. So this episode, the one that got away, this okay. This was this was really 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 good. I definitely recommend you all to go and watch this this episode it's basically a Bert and Cedric they're going to uh, their favorite place in uh, Evergreen Forest and it's a place where they just go fishing they hang out there they've been going there since they were kids it's like a sacred place to them and Bentley wants to know what they're doing and where they go and obviously But it's like, look, if I tell you it's a secret, you can't be telling nobody. It's top secret. There's like a big fishing hole there. And they always try and fish for a catfish every year. But they fail. But obviously, the whole part of the the gimmick is that they always fail to catch the fish or the catfish. So they always come back next year to see if they can uh, try their luck. And there's Mr. Knox and Cyril. And Mr. Knox is a crocodile, a southern crocodile, and they're arguing about their business plans and they want to go into environmental business. And Cedric is suggesting that the logo should have uh, something special and it should be an unspoiled beauty of nature. Meanwhile, the pigs are moonlighting and they don't want Cyril to know about this. And they basically want to save up money to get a new uh, stereo system which of course was uh, the rage back in the uh, the late 80s early 90s you gotta have a good stereo and cyril and knox are basically uh, going on a trip to see if they can find a bit of unspoiled unspoiled a uh, bit of beauty and nature and they end up going to the fishing hole And taking loads and loads of pictures there. The the pigs are going to their interviews, and they're basically their job is to get rid of poison barrels by uh close of play tomorrow or the next night. So they have to try and get rid of these poisoned barrels. And there's a big party, there's a big like award. Cyril and Knox are accepting their award. And everyone's liking the whole environmentally friendly stuff. But uh Bert ends up realizing that they used the fishing hole and so he goes to uh, Bentley and he's like did you tell them about my secret? and Bentley's like no I didn't, I didn't, I didn't I didn't tell the pigs and then Bert's like yeah whatever I'm really mad at you Bentley, lousy kid and then and and, and and things of that nature the pigs get a thousand dollars for dumping the barrels but they're, they're not allowed to uh, ask questions so the pigs they just drive it off a cliff Little do they know that they uh, dump it all over the fishing hole. And Bert and Cedric are going the next day. And then they see the big old mess in the fishing hole. Bentley's talking to Cyril. And he's like, look, can you tell Bert and Cedric that I didn't tell um, anybody about the, uh, the fishing hole secret? And Cyril's like, yeah, I know you did it because I know the fishing hole. I've been going here since I was a kid. And it kind of it's one of those places where you think it's a secret, but it's not, and everybody's been there, but they have their own like memories and they have their own recollections about it. And Cedric and Bert are basically telling everybody, look, it's been poisoned. We don't know what to do. And they're going to see the professor about the poison and if there's anything they can do. The pigs confess that it was them and they didn't know that, that's what the, the barrel was inside. That obviously their job was to not ask any questions. And we find out that it's uh, Mr. Midas who paid off the pigs to uh, dump the barrels. And Mr. Midas ends up getting arrested for it. And the pigs return the barrels and the money. And Bert ends up apologizing to Bentley. And he re- he realizes look, everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own account of this uh, place and you know how in cartoons there's happy endings there's oh look somehow we can fix the pond yay but no this is what makes this episode outstanding they said you know what there's nothing we can do for this this is destroyed forever now and we just have to preserve whatever we can in this area and they all accept that there's nothing they can do and Bentley's sad that he's the only person who won't really have any memories of this fishing hole and yeah it was a really good environmental awareness program about you know the dangers of pollution the dangers of dumping poison barrels over a cliff and 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 what have you but no that was a tremendous episode and it and it frankly it really did save the raccoons for me, it really did save it, so it's a really, really good episode, and I, it's one that I uh, recommend you go out of your way to watch, and the finale was Go for Gold, so uh, Cyril is basically, he's he's on one, he's, 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 his business is booming, he's selling everything like hotcakes. Funnily enough, he starts to sell hotcakes. He's like, yeah, I'm actually on the phone. I want to sell some hotcakes, which I, uh, I did like. Cedric is uh, saying, oh, take it easy, da. You're, uh, you're working too hard. And then Cyril collapses and has to go to hospital due to you know exhaustion and stress. And he has to retire on the advice of his doctor. He's made his last minion. He's done his last sale. And Sneer Enterprises will carry on and Cedric will take over. There's a, a cheeky cockney called Robin Steele who's trying to take advantage of Cedric. And he talks in a weird cockney accent. And so he, he's telling Cedric that he should put up a million pounds or million dollars to host a triathlon, the Evergreen International Triathlon. And it's obviously a, a way to con Cedric. And Cyril's coming to the office, and he's just like having a look around. But Cedric's going, you know what? I got this. And uh, the raccoons, or in particular, Ralph and Melissa, they're publishing. They're publishing a story about Cyril's retirement, and they see the triathlon. It's like a really tiny ad, so you can't even see it. Very clever. And they see the ad in the paper, and Bert wants to enter the competition. Cyril is playing golf, and he's quite bored. So he, he wants to see what's happening at Lady Biden Biden's house. And he's going there and Cedric is basically donating $10,000 to the auction. And Knox is like, damn, your son is more moral than you are. And Lisa wants to enter the triathlon, but Bert thinks he can beat her. And so they're having like a practice bike race. And Lisa basically beats the brakes off Bert and he doesn't like it. And so he quits. And the pigs end up annoying Cyril. So he uh, overhears the uh, conversation that Mrs. Steele's having. There's no TV deal because obviously that's what uh, was promised. Cyril can lose a lot of money. And Cyril is basically, he's going fishing now with the, the three pigs. Take his mind off it. Cedric doesn't really like being in charge, and Lisa's like, you know what, to Bert, if you don't want to enter the race, I won't enter the race, and Cedric realizes that the race is basically going to be a bit of a a mess up, and Cyril basically has like a ton of fish from fishing, and he wants to sell the fish, and uh, Bert wants to enter the race, and he says, you know, I'm going to win your money back, Cedric. And Mr. Steele has a son called Rod and he's like this really big guy and he's the favorite and he's never ever lost the race. And they have a history of doing this where they con people to making some prize money and they end up taking it themselves. And Cyril wants to come out of retirement and Knox is offering to help Cedric after his donation to Lady Baden-Baden because he's thinking, oh, look, this, this, this kid's nice. So Cyril's like, you know what, fine, I'm going to enter the race. But Cedric is worried. And Cyril is like trying to cheat in the race. But Cedric catches up with him eventually. And Cedric's like, you know what, look, I don't care about the money. I only care about you and your health. And so Lisa is in the race. and She's catching up with Rod. But he spikes her wheels and Lisa's out of the race. And she encourages Bert to catch up with Rod. And Bert ends up catching up with Rod and wins the race. And Cedric and Cyril have become partners and they're making a ton of money and now they have a TV deal and it ends with Bert sending Lisa the medal as the rightful winner of the race because I thought that was a really nice ending. And uh, some of the songs in this was Hold Back Tomorrow and Sooner or Later. Very, very corny songs that really have little or no meaning but just... Uh, part of the uh the way it was in the uh in their in their 80s and that was the raccoons yeah it got really good in the end and it saved itself and it kind of saved it for me particularly the episode about the uh the fishing hole getting uh polluted so uh I that was an outstanding bit of uh cartooning from uh the raccoons Next up, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. So uh, this cartoon came out in March 1989 and some of the things happening in the world. Poland begins to liberalize its currency exchange in a move towards capitalism. Tim Berners-Lee produces the proposal document that will become the blueprint for the World Wide Web. And after 74 years, Iceland ends its prohibition on beer Celebrated since as Biel or Beer Day. Fletch lives was in the cinemas, and too many broken hearts by Jason Donovan was number one in the charts. Right, so uh, Chip and Dale now, and this was a American animated adventure comedy TV series produced by Disney Television Animation, created by Tad Stones and Alan Zaslav. And it features the established characters or the established Disney characters, Chip and Dale, in a new setting. Chip and Dale are two chipmunks who start a detective agency, Rescue Rangers, along with their fredge- and along with their friends Gadget, Hack Wrench, and Monterey Jack and Zipper. The pint-sized detectives deal with crimes that are often too small for the police to handle, usually with other animals as their clients. The gang frequently find themselves going up against two particular arch villains. Mafia style Tabby Cat Fat Cat and Mad Scientist Norton Nimnall. Rescue Rangers was originally conceived as the first of three new companion shows to Disney's popular DuckTales series, which had more than doubled the ratings among child audiences in its time slots after its debut in the fall of 1987. Disney had originally invested $20 million in DuckTales and then invested $28 million in Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. It, along with Tailspin, that we'll talk about later, and a third series, Double O Duck, which ultimately became Darkwing Duck, would round out a programming block known as the Disney Afternoon, along with the previously established Disney Adventures of the Gummy Bears to capitalise on DuckTales' success. When Tadstones first came up with the idea for the Rescue Rangers series, Chip and Dale were not part of the show He initially pitched doing the TV series based on The Rescuers, but Disney rejected that idea as a sequel to that film because it was already in production. And he created a new concept with the working title of Metro Mice. And in the original draft, the main character was an Indiana Jones type mouse named Kit Colby, who sported a fedora and a fluffy collared leather jacket. And the rest of the team included a chameleon, an earlier version of Gadget, and a character resembling Monterey Jack with a different name. While Chip and Dale were established characters, in order to bring them into the series, only their general appearance and basic personality traits were kept. Unlike their appearances in Disney shorts, in the Rescue Rangers, the Chipmunk duo are very verbal. Audio processing was used to speed up their voice recordings and give the voices a higher pitch, particularly Chip's. The pair were given clothes while the goofier Dale was reminiscent of but not specifically modeled after Thomas Magnum of Magnum P.I. with his Hawaiian shirt. The show's opening theme was written and listed in the end credits as Words as Music by Mark Muller who is a ASCAP award winning pop music songwriter who also wrote the popular theme song for DuckTales. And produced by Alf Clausen. The song performed over the title credits is sung by Jeff Pasetto, who also performed the DuckTales theme song. A full-length version of the theme song was later recorded by the pop group The Jets. Like I said, some of the characters you had Chip, who was similar to Indiana Jones, wearing a fedora and bomber jacket, frequently uses a rope or to lasso or swing to other spots. Chip is mature and has a strong sense of moral standards to the point that he is sometimes accused of not knowing how to have fun. Dale, who is co-founder of the Rescue Rangers, he wears a red and yellow Hawaiian shirt reminiscent of Thomas Magnum in Magnum PI. They're passionate about the job. He is free-spirited, genial hotshot who is sometimes immature and forgets to think before he acts. Monterey Jack, known as Monty, To his friends, or Cheezer by his mother, is an adventure-loving redhead and luxuriantly mustachioed Australian mouse who spent years travelling the world before a chance meeting with Chip and Dale during their first chase. Gadget Hackwrench, who is a young, blonde-haired female mouse who is the team's pilot, mechanic, and inventor who wears a purple jumpsuit and blue goggles on her head. Zipper, who is a tiny, bluish-green housefly a long-time friend and psychic of Monterey Jack and Fat Cat, who's a felonious, obese, grey tabby cat, and one of the rescue rangers' most frequent antagonists. So, Chip and Dale—that's
1: literally my first note. Like, try saying Chip and Dale without doing the theme tune. Like, you can't. It's impossible, right? One thing I'll say is, whilst watching this, I learned that Disney love—they love a good advert, don't they? They love a good advert. But one thing, man. Because I, I watched the old Chippendale before I watched this. The old Donald Duck. They're just like two little chipmunks in a tree.
0: Okay. Talk doing, about
1: that. Like, they should have left it there, man. I'm telling you. It's like one of those things. It's like, like, it makes sense now, to be honest. Like when you're saying that, oh, they got shot down a couple of times of some ideas and stuff like that. And they're literally like going through the Disney war chest thinking, like, who can I revive here? And... You know they chose Chip and Dale. Just feels like Chip and Dale were kind of just kind of shoehorned in there, to be honest. But um, yeah, what a banging theme tune though! I don't, there's, there's like it wins hands down with the theme tunes today. I think just for being so bloody iconic.
0: I kind of see what you're saying about maybe not reviving it, but I think with Ducktales, Disney thought they thought that they had a winner with this format with TV shows. So I thought, right, let's just throw money and make some more. So we'll do Chippendale, we'll do Tailspin, we'll do Darkwing Duck, we'll do other cartoons as well. We're just going to...
1: Yeah, but I think that's a plague with Disney, though, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. They're like, oh, that live-action film worked. Let's do another one. Oh, let's do another one. Let's do another one. You know, And it just seems like they find something and they milk it till it's dead.
0: Everybody does it. It's one of those things where... We've got to try and keep up with TV shows, because obviously by the 80s, Disney weren't making as many films or they weren't making the caliber of films before the big revival in the 90s. And it was one of those where they thought, right, we have to we have to we have to catch up with what people are doing. So TV shows and everybody loved DuckTales. Everybody loved what we were doing with that so let's try and you know spiff some money up the wall and 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 make some of these uh, brand new shows 20 million for DuckTales? shoot let's do let's 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 give 30 to chippendale make something and uh, but no i i but saying all of that i you know i remember watching chippendale rescue rangers as a kid i remember the theme song as a kid and i thought it was a it was a uh, just their show it was one of those where oh it's on Chippendale. i'll watch it i'm not going to go out of my way to go look for it but yeah i didn't think it was as 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 bad as as what you think it was i thought it was i thought it was pretty fine
1: i mean i liked it as a kid when i was an adult i yeah it was one of those shows where it's like there's nothing to it there it just seems to be no substance to it so i was just a little bit underwhelmed nothing uh, by to the actual... it
0: They're rescue rangers.
1: Yeah, but it just seems like they were just like...
0: They're rescue rangers. What more do you want them to do? Literally, what more do you want them to do? They're called Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Their job is to go out and do what the police can't be asked to do.
1: Yeah, I know, but I mean, I just wonder how bad would it be if they weren't even there, to be honest.
0: I mean, I'm not going to go that far. I didn't didn't watch the uh, the Donald Duck Chippendale stuff.
1: I mean, this is literally like a four-minute short on... Um, do you know that like old Disney cartoons? Like, literally yeah, 4 yeah, minutes yeah, short yeah, on things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, should I do my episodes?
0: Yes, do your episodes. All right, so I did
1: one and two, and then I'll, I'll do the Donald Duck one as well. So, well, because um... obviously
0: the, the pilot was Pirate Sea Under the Sea, and I... No, no, it wasn't. That's that's Tailspin. I was, I was thinking of the four-part pilot. That
1: was Tailspin. Oh, no, yeah, I only watched two parts of that, and... um. Yeah, we'll get to that later. So, um, the first one was the Donald Duck one I watched, which was Donald wakes up and it's cold and he like pulls his uh, blanket over his head and his feet are cold. So, his feet pull his things down and his head's cold. And so he decides to uh, to light a fire, but there's no wood. So, he goes out and cuts down a dead tree. Chip and Dale are in there and it, they're like completely non speaking part in this so the same same personalities though that you described earlier so chip's like the more reserved one and dale's the more like happy-go-lucky messy one donald cuts down a tree that they're in and all their nuts are in there so they need to try and rescue their nuts uh then donald's trying to light the fire um so they like um put it out and then they Chip and Dale take the log outside and then just before they get outside donald takes the log off and then they start putting snow down the chimney uh donald again shoes them away then they go up to the top of the hill and make a massive snowball and then um, dale knocks on the door as the snowball's rolling down the hill so he answers the door and then the snowball comes and takes him out and then um then uh, dale kicks him up the backside when he's all like stuck in the snow and then they take the log back with them that's the end of that so um that was pretty good so uh, uh which one was this pirates the pirates one series one episode 1 Dale's made a mess he has to clean it up and then he gets taken in the garbage truck everyone tries to get in but they all end up on the garbage boat like you see in America um Chippendale gets stuck in a bottle then some pirates capture them the pirates bring Chippendale to the pirate ship chip, chip and Dale are eating with the pirates um even the pirates are cleaner than Dale Uh, They go on a treasure hunt, Dale finds it, but the pirates don't want them to leave because now they've seen the treasure and they have to stay for the rest of their lives with the pirates. The gadget crew make a submarine out of a bottle and go down to find Chip and Dale. They get chased by this octopus. Uh, Then they stumble upon the pirate treasure and a Monterey Jack pretends to be one of the long lost pirates who orders the um, pirates to protect the treasure and they're not allowed to come out until he comes back uh, the cabin boy comes in positively identifies him and now he's saying they're going but you had to guard the treasure whilst we're gone again uh, then they get foiled because the cabin good um, because monterey jack sees the cheese now they have to walk the plank and the octopus is underneath waiting for his dinner um the fly saves them and they have to unload the treasure to float the ship um then they shoot the cannon to get rid of the treasure the pirates get to sail in the ship and everyone else goes free oh series Episode 1, episode 2 was called Catteries Not Included. And they're in the police station and they see this little girl is looking for a cat, but the police say they can't help. Um, but the rescue rangers decide that they can help. So they use mousetraps to catapult them into the park. And Monterey Jack and Chip find the mice who are playing because all the cats are away because they've been kidnapped quite like that. They dress up as a, a cat and a big robot dog comes for them um gadget spots him in the plane and saves dale who got eaten by the robot dog and um, they fix a the robot dog and then they go to the lair where the dog came from and there's loads of cats in there uh and this is professor professor nemno or the the main guy that you spoke about earlier and they're creating a the cheap power by rubbing all the cats together to make static electricity and then they're going to shoot electric bolt at the city the little cat they find a the little cat um and he falls a plot and then they take the cat back and that was the end of that um yeah actually to be honest this episode was rubbish i found it really difficult to get through this one but um yeah that's how it happened cool
0: i mean the show's not as bad as as, as 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 you said and i'm not i'm not saying it's like world class but it wasn't anywhere near as 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 bad as you as you're making it to be. I'm listening to your report and I'm thinking, well, Are you talking about bike and Mars here or something?
1: <laughs> yeah, no no look. No. It wasn't it wasn't the worst cartoon I've ever watched, but I just wasn't interested in it. I I didn't feel emotionally invested in the characters. Um having just watched raccoons as well. So I hadn't watched Tailspin yet, but I had watched raccoons.
0: So I went all the way to series three, Zipper Come Home. So it's thirty days of nonstop rain. The Beatles have to, there's a, like, they, they cut to a, 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 a gang of Beatles. And so they have to basically find a fly for the big frog lord, Ribbit. Otherwise, they are doomed. Meanwhile, back in the house, Monty's cooking up a storm. But doesn't want anyone distracting him. And Zipper has to guard the door. And obviously Chippendale and Dale and uh, Gadget want to find out what Monty are doing. But Zipper has to guard the door and they plan to uh, blow up the, the kitchen door for whatever reason. And they end up blowing it and uh, Zipper gets blamed for it. And Monty's just basically shouting at Zipper. And Zipper gets upset and leaves the house. And he's going to uh, a fly bar and eating rotten apples. Because he's, uh, he's feeling a bit low. And uh, instead of uh, going to a bar and drinking your sorrows, he's just basically eating all the all the rotten apples. I did, I did, I did, I did like that a lot. And uh, the Beatles they come to uh, the bar and they're having a look and thinking, oh look at Zippy, he's a fly. Maybe uh, the Frog Lord Ribbit will like him, and so they take Zippy away. And the others realize that Zippy has run away, and so Monty offers to go and rescue him. And so he goes to the bar and he finds Zippy's hat and Monty's having a look around and he fly and he finds the, he, he goes to some place and he gets sucked in by cheese, but then he's like, look, okay, I can't, I can't get distracted by cheese. I need to find my friend Zipper and Monty wants to take him back, but Zipper doesn't want to leave because they basically, they're fattening him up. So he's thinking, oh my God, they love me. They, they, they give me all this food. Why am I going to leave? And Monty's like, look, come back, man, stop playing. And Zipper's like, nope, I'm not leaving. But Zippy's like, hey, it's a joke, it's a joke, come back. But then obviously the flies are like, yeah, we're not, you're not going anywhere. We're going to sacrifice you to uh, the Frog Lord. And uh, Monty is like, he's thinking, um, and so yeah, so Chip, Chip Dale and uh, Z- and, uh What's her name? Gadget. They find the beetle house. So they think, you oh, know, he's taking too long. Let's, let's let's see what's happening. And they manage to get to Zippy. The frog basically emerges. But uh, he wants to fly, but Zippy's too small. But he's like, I guess he'll do. Yeah, so Monty distracts him. And he ends up getting trapped by the frog. Monty and Zippy somehow get away and they subdue the frog. And the beetles save the others and have a big celebration. And now they revere Monty and Zippy for getting rid of the frog. And then I went on to watch the final two episodes. So the penultimate episode was called "A Chorus Crime." Everybody's getting so Chip Dale and Gadget are getting ready to go to a fancy performance, but Monty and Zipper want to go to a cheese boat fest. And so they like, you know, what we'll go our separate ways. They're, and they find out that the uh, the cheese boat fails to come through. Due to it being hit by an iceberg. And the performance is cancelled. Because the uh, the performer doesn't have it her shoes. And so Dale is like, oh, why don't we go and do some soul searching? <laughs> I did like that. That was good. I like that joke. And so they basically go inside and they find a dog called Canina Lafleur. She's crying and obviously think it's a crime. And they're finding out why the show was cancelled. And so Canina tells them that somebody robbed the shoe factory. Monty catches up with uh, Chip and Dale and he wants to investigate why the cheese ships have icebergs. Or why the cheese ships didn't come through because of icebergs. But uh, Chip was like, no, we want to investigate the missing shoes. And Monty's like, whatever, man, I don't care about no damn shoes. We've got to find this cheese boat. And so they end up going their separate ways. So Monty and Zipper are investigating cheese, cheese ships. And Chipdale and Gadget are trying to investigate the missing shoes. And so Monty and Zippy end up going on a boat. And they want to go to Europe to try and see where all these icebergs are coming from. And Kenina Lafleur wants to help with the shoe investigation. And so they come across a big old dog, but Kanina uh, comes and rescues them from that. And so the dog tells them about the, uh, the thief who went to, I think, a place called Banthan Island. And so Dale basically hooks up with a traveling circus van and they travel there. And Monty and Zipper, they end up in the Arctic Circle looking for icebergs. And Zippy basically finds tap shoes that uh, Chip and Dale are looking for. And obviously they come across a Niminal, Professor Nimnal, and he's using the stolen tap shoes on the penguins and whipping them up into shape. And so every time the penguins are tap dancing a tune, they break the iceberg and they're like sinking ships. And Monty and Zippy end up getting stranded. So Zippy has to fly out for help. And Chipdale, Gadget and Kanina are in the Arctic Circle. And once they get away from a bear, Zippy finds them, and they and he tells them that Monty is in trouble. And obviously, Kenina's like, oh, whatever, I don't really want to save Monty. I want to get to my shoes. And they're like, oh, Monty's a big fan of you. She goes, oh, oh say no more, say no more, we'll, we'll go save him. And so uh, the ship hits the iceberg that is on, and it goes down. And they obviously thought Monty went down with the ship. But uh, nope, Monty gets saved by cheese. And they end up realising that their cases are very uh, similar and they are not so different. And so the evil professor is going underwater looking for treasure but no such luck. And obviously his plan was to salvage sunken ships and steal all the gold. And Chippendale are asking the penguins to uh, tap dance and basically break up all the icebergs. And... Yeah, their plan is successful and Kenina ends up doing a show with the penguins. And obviously the rescue rangers vow to never break up again. And the finale was called They Shoot Dogs, Don't They? So the rescue rangers get a poster card from Kenina and she's asking for help. And Monty is reluctant but ends up agreeing to go. So they basically have to go to uh, the place where Kenina is and they're going to a place where you can like hunt for animals and animals are fair game and so they bump into wild bill hiccup and he's hunting for all the animals canina's doing a performance and of like a dog commercial and the big can almost falls on her and chip and dale come to her rescue and so Kenina is telling the rescue rangers that there's a dog called Jaja Labador and the and she's the standing dog and she's trying to kill Kanina and she tells him about when Jaja trapped Kanina in the trailer then Jaja short circuits the dog can and then ends up taking Kanina's place cuz the director's worried about Kanina Monty's like yeah I don't really buy what's going on but uh, Zaza attaches the trailer that they're all staying in onto a van, and they're basically flying off and veering off. And the director thinks that he saves Kanina, but it's Zaza instead, and she wears like the same wig and disguise as uh, Kanina. And so Kanina and uh, the rescue Rangers are trying to head back, but the crew have all gone, and they're all uh, go to the airport, and they're leaving without Kanina. She gets there in time and they have a big old dog fight, but Monty and Kanina fall off the plane. And so they have to basically find their way back out of taxidermia because obviously Wild Bill is lurking around in this open season. Jaja lands and everyone's taking pictures ahead of the dog food commercial awards and everybody's basically thinking Jaja is Kanina. And Kanina is driving the boat and she's determined to get to the Lassie Awards which is where she was meant to be getting her big award. Yeah, so while Hiccup finds Monty and Kanina and he's chasing after them. The boat falls apart and Monty tries to fix it, so they have to paddle. Kanina pretends to be shot and that's how they try and trick uh, Wild Bill. And obviously she's like, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I feel so hurt. And obviously Monty's like, you're acting, it's so bad, it's so bad. Again, I thought that was quite funny. And Chip and Dale are looking to take Jar Jar's wig, but it doesn't work. And Jar Jar's going up the stage, but Kanina comes to the stage and basically takes the award and she accepts it. And the director backstage is basically like, oh my God, I thought the acceptance bark was meant to be shorter than this. And they're playing, you know, the classic Academy music. And. She's like thanking everybody, and she says, You know what? I'm going to thank Monty, but she always causing something else. And yeah, that was the end of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And I think the only thing irritating about this show was uh, the Australian accent. That got on my nerves.
1: Most of it got on my nerves, to be honest. Um, watching it pack, it wasn't as endearing as I thought it was, but let, the theme tune still just bangs, man. Like that is very, very catchy theme tune the rest of it i mean i watched it as a kid and i really liked it i remember quite vividly watching this as a kid and loving it but one of those shows that just didn't really do it for me as an adult
0: oh what a shame what a what a, what a shame but no lazy accents was a, a thing of the day and it still annoys me very 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 much that a, a big conglomerate like disney couldn't be bothered to hire an australian person to do an australian accent
1: yeah, I mean, this is like a plague, isn't it? <laughs> the animation uh, uh, studios.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Oh, did you see just quickly on 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 accents? Did you hear that they're bringing a back from the Simpsons, but in like a in a big way? Apparently, they're they're, they're teeing something up to bring his character back um, with an appropriate with a culturally appropriate person to do his accent.
0: No, I haven't heard about that. I mean, yeah. Have you seen the documentary about Apu? I think there was a documentary. I think the truth about Apu or something like that.
1: Oh, really? Is it on Disney?
0: I don't know if it's on Disney or not. I think it was a, um, and I don't think it was a. I don't think they're gonna like shop their own character, or they're gonna they're gonna do that to Mac But I think there's a big documentary called the truth about Apu. So uh... finally, now we come to Tailspin, and this show came out in September 1990, and some of the things happening in the world. The premier of North Korea yon Kyong Muk, meets with President of South Korea Roh Tae-woo, the highest level contact between leaders of the two Koreas since 1945. U.S. President George H.W. Bush delivers a nationally televised speech in which he threatens to use force to remove Iraqi soldiers from Kuwait. The first pizza hut opens up in the Soviet Union. Postcards from the Edge is in the cinemas. And Holy Smoke! But Iron Maiden was in the charts.
1: When you mention Iron Maiden, all, I've, all, all I think about is Weezer now, with teenage dirtbag.
0: <laughs> right, so uh, Tailspin. So uh, this was a American animated TV series. And it, it first aired as a preview on the Disney Channel, and later it was part of the Disney Afternoon. It features characters adapted from Disney's 1967 animated feature, The Jungle Book which was theatrically released in the summer before this show premiered in the fall. Namely, Baloo the Bear, Louis the Ape, and Shere Khan the Tiger, along with new characters, were created for the show. The name of the show is a play on Tailspin, the rapid descent of an aircraft in a steep spiral. The two words in the show's name, Tail and Spin, are a way of describing to tell a story. The show is one of the 10 Disney afternoon shows to use established Disney characters as the main characters, with the others being Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, Chip and Dale, Goof Troop, Bonkers, Quack Pack, Aladdin, and Timon and Pumbaa. All shows that we will probably end up doing on Yesterday's Capers at some point. And it is also one of two animated TV series based on the book The Jungle Book, the second being Jungle Cubs. It's set in the city of Cape Suzette. Which is a pun on the dish crepe suzette and the time frame of the series is never specifically addressed but appears to be in the mid to late 1930s based on baloo's seaplane and other things possibly in the last stages of the great depression in the show the helicopter television and jet engine are experimental devices and most architecture is reminiscent of the art deco style of that period In one episode, Baloo comments that the Great War ended 20 years ago, thus indicating that the series takes place in or around 1938. Radio is the primary mass medium, and one episode even briefly alludes to the characters having never heard of television. It centres on the adventures of bush pilot Baloo the Bear, whose whose air cargo freight freight business Baloo's air service is taken up by Rebecca Cunningham, who has a young daughter named Molly. Upon his default on delinquent bills with the bank, run by criminal tiger Sher Khan, and his perceived irresponsibility in running a business by Rebecca, she takes over the business and renames it Hire for Hire, making her the Baloo's boss. Their adventure often involves encounters with a gang of air pirates led by Don Carnage, As well as their representatives of thembria which is a parody of the stalinist soviet union inhabited by anthropomorphic warthogs or other often even stranger obstacles in defense to contemporary sensitives there is no equivalent of the nazis in the series although one story in the disney adventures magazine the dogs of war had the heroes encounter members of the hoon nationality a menacing militaristic nationality of dogs from Houndsland, who wear uniforms that are clearly based on German ones, and who speak in a mock German accent. The relationship between Baloo and Rebecca owes something to the screwball comedy films of the 1930s. More precisely, according to Jim Magon, who is the co-creator of the series, the two characters were fashioned after Sam Malone and Rebecca Howe, from the then popular sitcom Cheers. And IGN listed Tailspin as the 81st best cartoon in the top 100 animated TV shows. Obviously the some of the characters. There's Baloo von Brunwald the 13th I believe. if my number, If my Roman numerals are correct. And he's a lazy, slobbish, unreliable and always broke. He's also an excellent pilot and capable of the most daring manoeuvres in the air. Kit Kick cloud kicker, who is a brown bear cub, a navigator aboard Baloo's plane, the Sea Duck. I believe he's a, an orphan who comes to uh, befriend and, you know, hang out with Baloo. Rebecca Cunningham is an unassumingly attractive yet shrewd businesswoman with an MBA as she brought out Baloo's air service and his plane, and calling it hire for hire. Molly Cunningham, who's an adventurous child, who even at her age is not afraid to speak her mind, just like her mother, who nicknames her Honey and Pumpkin. Don Carnage is the leader of a crew of air pirates and captain of the massive hybrid airship, the Iron Vulture, which serves as an airborne aircraft carrier, and he's the main antagonist in the series. Shere Khan is an extremely wealthy businessman and the head of the corporation Khan Industries. He's dour, humorless, and slightly arrogant because of his wealth and position, and he takes enjoyment off uh, out of running small companies out of business. It kind of reminded me of something before I pass on to you. There was, um, when I was basically flicking on Disney Plus for uh, Chippendale, there was a message on one of the episodes basically going. The episode you're about to watch is uh
1: was made in a different time.
0: Yeah. It's basically yeah, it was a bit racist and we're letting you know that it was a bit racist and
1: we've
0: we're gonna leave it on anyway. So yeah, there was there was there was that. So
1: uh Yeah, there's a few of the old cartoons that have that. This was like one show that was like you know, kind of just get through it for me. But ended up like really like Warming to this show, I really liked it. I thought Kit was like a little brat. Uh,
0: yeah, I thought this show was, was all right. Baloo was annoying, just as he was annoying in The Jungle Book. So, uh,
1: The Jungle Book is rubbish. I'm gonna say it right now, it's one of the worst Disney movies ever made. Ever, I don't like it. I didn't like the cartoon. I, for some reason, bought the uh, live action version, hated that as well. Don't know why I thought it'd be better. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, when I think about J- Jungle Book, I think it's overrated.
1: Completely, I think it's trash.
0: I think it's overrated. When I when I when I think about Disney films, this won't ever pop up in my in my top list. Never.
1: It would definitely rate it with my worst Disney movies ever.
0: We used to watch this a lot as a kid, though.
1: Yeah, but it's be back in the day when you only had like a couple of videos, though. Do you know what I mean? It's not like now when you have like this like when we go to blockbuster. Inf- yeah, you got like infinite thing of things to watch now Like right? you had a choice of and you know when you go to the video shop like you just like I said about like blockbuster if someone had it out already you didn't watch it do you know what i mean that's it there's we, we have no more left
0: very very true but no but baloo was uh irritating in the jungle book and he was irritating in this film in this tv show rather but no yeah it was a uh, yeah i thought it was a pretty fun show It wasn't. It wasn't like outstanding, but it wasn't terrible either. I just. It was very uh, middle of the road for me.
1: Yeah, I think I just liked how it kind of had a point, and for sure there's you know some like you said irritating things about it, but yeah, I thought this was definitely like it had an. It it kind of felt like it had a purpose, and I quite like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get into uh, episodes now. So uh, obviously the pilot was a four-parter, and I watched part one and part four.
1: Oh, go because i watched, i watched, watched part one and part two because I got hooked on it. But then I was like, I gave it a couple of episodes. So, um, this one was called "Plunder and Lightning," uh, and part one and part two. So, plane. There's like a montage, not montage, like kind of a starts off with a pretty actiony sequence where a plane's getting taken over by pirates, and they took a box. Uh, and Don Carnage is the um the boss pirate. Then his little boy comes out of nowhere, runs, takes the box and runs off, jumps off the plane. And he has this kind of croissant shaped kite thing. And he kind of skates through the air on it. And then Louis and Baloo from the jungle book are on this island. And a boy crashes into the building and into Baloo, but makes a mess of the, um, of Louis's bar. The baddies come to the bar looking for the boy. And Louis says to, for them to get out but they kind of like hold him with a knife Um, the boy stashes the box then reveals himself and then he escapes on Blue's plane Uh, the boy knows a lot about about planes and he's called Kit is it Kid or Kit Kit oh Kit yeah okay cool yeah Um, uh, then the baddies come to dogfight the plane and they make it to Cape Suzette Uh, Blue owes $3,000 he has to pay by tomorrow and he takes a job delivering gorilla birds and gets attacked um, by pirates on the way, Uh, end up crashing the plane, and a baddie's still on the case. Blue figures out that they're after the boy, who is a little brat, I wrote at this point, Uh, and then he storms off, gets caught by Don Carnage, the little boy does. Uh, Blue gets him, trying to get the birds back in the plane, but he rescues him, but has to let the birds out as they do. They take off in the plane, escape from the island, and then Kit tells Blue about the jewel that he's found. Um, which could potentially solve his money problems. And part two, Kit and Baloo are resting. The, um, they're going to get the treasure. This lady knocks on the door. And Baloo tells her to come back, but it's a lady that's just bought the deed from the bank because he hasn't paid his loan back. Rebecca Cunningham is the business manager and she wants to turn the business around. She keeps Baloo on as a staff pilot. Uh, Wildcat, the mechanic, can fix anything in three three seconds. Shere Khan is pruning the, um, his Venus flytraps. Is where you first see Shere Khan, and he's like this kind of like uh, mm-hmm. ominous businessman, as you say. I like him. Yeah, not always pretty cool. I like I like this whole thing, and I like that Shere Khan was in it as well, being like this like badass tiger again. Then Wimpy Tiger says that they um, the. This thing was stolen by pirates. He says, go and find it. Uh, Blue now has to wear this rubbish uniform uh, and his plane's been painted in bright colours. He has to go and deliver some mangoes. Uh, Don Carnage is on the prowl. Is it Molly, the little girl? I think her name is. Uh, Rebecca's daughter is stowed away on the plane. Um, Turns out the jewel, when they get to the thing, the jewel is worthless. Um, It's a man-made object. Um, And then the pirates come and they have to get away. They have to drop all the cargo on them. Rebecca's not happy, but she's a bit more... Uh, at ease when they realize that they dropped the cargo because they're rescuing her daughter. Um, the pirates are once again on the prowl. In the morning, they stow the jewel in Molly's doll. Uh, the pirates find the plane, and Blue, uh, Blue and uh, Kit go and speak to Shere Khan. He says that he'll give them 100 grand for the jewel. And when they get back, the pirates have kidnapped the girl and Rebecca as well. And that's the end of part two. But I actually really got into this, to be honest. I thought the storyline was really, like, building up.
0: Okay, so basically, uh, I don't know what happened in part three. Stuff. I think I think Kit, like, he pretends to go off with Don Carnage, and uh, Baloo thinks that he's been betrayed and whatnot, but that's not the case. And Carnage and his men are preparing to leave and destroy Cape Suzette, and Rebecca and Molly are looking for a plane. Carnage is firing weapons and uh, Shere Khan is basically taking action against it. Kit is with uh, Don Carnage and they're getting fired on. And Carnage is attacking Cape Suzette and Kit is working on a plan and he basically gets away. Kit's trying to send a distress call or distress message to Baloo, but he's basically goofing off at Louis. And Baloo thought that Kit double crossed him, but. That's not the case. And so he goes off to rescue him. Kit is trying to get away from the bad guys, but Baloo gets him in time. And Baloo reaches Rebecca and Molly and trying to get them to leave because obviously they think, you know what, this is going to be destroyed. And they're like, look, we're not going to leave Cape Suzette no matter what. And yeah, Baloo and Kit are going after Don Carnage. The plane gets destroyed, but they get the better of Carnage. They managed to uh, fix Baloo's plane, but now it belongs to Rebecca, but Baloo is still kept on as the pilot. I went on to watch two more episodes. So uh, I watched an episode called Save the Tiger. So uh, Baloo's flying his plane. He wants a drink, but somehow he can't get the, 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 the can to open. And there's a plane that's about to crash, but he gets to it in time. And little did Baloo know that he ended up saving Shere Khan's life. And Khan wants to repay the debt. But he has to be a secret because he doesn't want, you know, people thinking that he's uh, basically doing freebies for everybody. And Rebecca wants to know what's going on. But Baloo's going to see Khan the Tiger. And Baloo's like, okay, I I want to buy back my plane. And I want to ask for more things. And so Baloo's like, and obviously Khan is like, take as long as you need to come up with some stuff. And so Baloo kind of takes that literally, and so he's like, I want, I want to buy my plane. I want, I want more. I want to buy a fridge freezer with lots of drinks inside, because obviously the one in the plane runs out. And so he's like, I'm going to come back tomorrow. And so he's basically taking advantage of Khan. And Baloo's like, you know what? I'm going to retire. And I'm just going to, and he makes a long list for Khan and all the things he wants. So uh, Rebecca decides to look for a new pilot because Baloo's like, you know what? I don't have to work another day in my life. I'm retired. And Rebecca's missing Baloo. And, you know, Baloo's basically having fun on the tennis. He's playing tennis on a boat and he's having a birthday party, even though it's not his birthday. And Kit is missing Rebecca and... They go to visit and basically there's two crooks who are watching Baloo and Kit. Rebecca is losing clients for hire for hire and her pilot now quits on her. Baloo is like visiting Rebecca and Rebecca's like, look, I'm fine, even though she needs a pilot. Kit is asking Baloo to help, but he doesn't want to. And so Shay Khan is like, I'm sick and tired of Baloo taking advantage of me. So he gets these cats To kidnap Baloo and they want £200,000. Kit and Rebecca sell everything. And now they have to sell the the hire-for-hire business to get Baloo back. They give the money to a tramp initially because they didn't really realise what... They thought the tramp was the, the, the guy asking for the ransom. But they end up getting it back and give it to the two cats. Baloo gets away, lands on a boat and Kit and Rebecca go after him and they manage to save him. Kit tells Baloo that Rebecca sold the plane and the business and Baloo goes to Khan and obviously he's like to Khan I just want things to be back to the way they were and Baloo gives the deed for the business to Rebecca and he gives the plane back to her and Baloo's like you know what look I owe you Rebecca without you there wouldn't be a business so uh, yeah you know I say Baloo was annoying but he did uh, make me laugh in this episode
1: Yeah, I think he he did all right. I I enjoyed him in small bursts anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And then the last episode was Flying Dupes. So uh, Baloo has to deliver a package to Thembria and he has to deliver it to the Thembrian High Marshal. And he's thinking, if I deliver this package, then I will win Pilot of the Year. Thembria is uh, historically hard to get to and the package is a bomb. And there's basically pigs who want to start a war for their business. Baloo makes it to Thembria, but the border is hard to get through. And so Baloo is offering Colonel Spigot flying lessons. And so he's quite short, so Baloo has to put a plunger on his foot. And the colonel wants to uh, learn how to fly so that he can save face. And he's initially driving the plane, but he's reckless and Baloo's trying to teach him, but Colonel wants to, uh, learn fast. Then, uh, Colonel Spigot, he wants to, uh, basically, uh, drive the plane and he's really bad. Baloo's like trying to get out of there because he's thinking, oh, I want to make it in time for my award show, but, uh, he wants to leave. And so Colonel's, and then the Colonel Spigot's like, no, I want to, uh, watch the uh, the show and he's like oh there's going to be dancing girls and everything and so Baloo dresses up as a dancing girl to try and uh, run the time run the clock and one of the men realizes it's a bomb but the colonel getting away on the plane and he locks Baloo away and Baloo is getting shot out on the plane but he finally gets on and takes control one of the guys is still going after the bomb Baloo arrives at the gate at the colonel and wants to deliver the present or Not the not the colonel, but the high marshal. And so the bad guy reveals it's his plane and he's the one that gave the bomb away. Baloo gets to the bomb in time and he throws the bomb away. Baloo covers for the colonel, but the bomb still goes off. And the high marshal is thanking Baloo for bringing peace to Cape Suzette and Thembria. And the colonel is driving the plane with the high marshal. And that was the end of Tailspin. Now we have to uh, rank these shows.
1: Two and one spot was a little bit tighter, but the third spot, clear as day, for me was uh, Chippendale. It was one of those shows where it just didn't. Didn't match up to my expectations and what I thought about it as a kid. Um, second was Tailspin. Thoroughly enjoyed Tailspin, um, and just because I think it was an all-round decent cartoon, and it surprised me, it was the Raccoons.
0: This is quite a. It's more closer than I thought it would be. I'm gonna go Chip and Dale at three because um, Monterey M- Jack and his Australian accent killed me. So I was like, I can't, I can't be dealing with this, no sir. So that's at number three. Number two, I'm going to say tailspin, and simply because of the episode about the uh, the fishing hole, I'm going to say the raccoons. Even though I'd never thought that I would ever pick the raccoons over these two shows. But, I mean, uh, that's, I think that's
1: the first time we've actually got the same top three in a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that that episode did it for me. That episode saved it all for me. So. Uh, yeah, that's why I kind of went with with, with that one. So uh, there you go. And on that note, I'll bring this episode to an end. Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. So uh, if you look for us, you can sort of uh, download it and uh, we're available on all podcast platforms. We're taking a break for Ramadan, so we won't be having any episodes for the next month or so. But yeah, we'll be back after Ramadan with a brand new episode. So uh, fear not. And obviously, there's plenty of uh, episodes to get you through between uh, now and uh, Ramadan. So uh, keep listening and uh, keep, keep, uh, keep, uh, yeah, keep listening. And uh, we're available on the socials at uh, Instagram. It's Yesterday's Capers One. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. Facebook.com for slash yesterday's capers. YouTube.com for slash yesterday's capers. You can find me on the socials at abdullah underscore molim on instagram you can find me on twitter at abdullah molim all one word give me a holler give me a shout and uh yeah join us after ramadan for new episodes of yesterday's capers